All right, let's open our Bibles quickly, Psalm 119. We are going to read from where we stopped last time, which was, um, we started, we started in verse 48, right? Yeah, we're going to read from verse 49, and I want us to read straight on till we get to verse um, uh, 64. And we're going to read it the way we do sometimes. I read one verse, you read the next verse, I read another one, then we'll go on like that until we come to the end, and then we will sit down and um, teach on it briefly. All right, if you are there, say, "Uh uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. The Lord is good. Verse 49. Uh, David said, Remember the word to your servant, in which you have made me to hope. 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. Verse 51 says, The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and I comfort myself. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Fifty-four, your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Now, verse 55, O Lord, I remember your name in the night, and I keep your law. Please, let me read that in the living translation. It says, I reflect at night on who you are, O Lord, therefore I obey your instructions. Verse 56, this has become mine, that I observe your precepts. Again, I like New Living Translation there. It says, this is how I spend my life, you know, obeying your commandments. Some other translation will tell you that this is my reward, all right? That is, obeying your commandments. This has become mine. This is what I rejoice in, that I observe your precepts. Now, 57, say, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. Verse 60. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. Please read that again. Verse 60. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. Read it one more time. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. Verse 61 says, The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forsaken your law. 62 at midnight, I shall arise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. Verse 63, I am a companion of those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. 64, the earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's sit down for a short while. Then we'll get, stand up later to pray. Now, we have been looking at how... That's the most important prayer that a Christian is supposed to pray. Let me just review for a minute the difference between the prayer of Gentiles and the prayers of believers. The prayers of Gentiles are dotted and filled with their needs. They are concerned about what shall we eat, uh, what shall we drink. Their prayers are filled with temporal issues, the things of this life. They are not primarily concerned about the eternal things. They are focused on how to sustain this flesh, how to... Uh, cater to the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, those are the things that fill their prayers. All right? Even though you are praying in the name of Jesus, if you are praying like that, you are praying like Gentiles. No matter, how, even if you are praying in the name of Jesus, even if you are sowing the seed, if, I mean, you are not lying to get what you want, you are not deceiving anybody, you are praying in the name of Jesus, but your prayers are filled with what you will eat, 
what you will drink, how you will settle yourself in life. You too, you need to have a house. You need to have a car. This is the year in which you must buy a car. This year, you understand, you are beginning to pray like who? Gentiles. You are praying like Gentiles. The prayers of Christians are centered around the kingdom of God. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added to you. Again, people may be asking, so are you saying I'm not supposed to pray about what I need? I didn't say that. But the prayers, when you do that, they are what? Dismissive. It is casting prayer. It's a prayer in which I throw the thing off. Lord, I don't want to think about it. I want you to think about it. I don't want to bother myself with it. I don't want it to keep me awake at night. Do you understand? So let me cast it upon you. Do you follow my point? The story just came to my mind now. I've told the story here before. But since it came to my mind, maybe the Holy Spirit wants us to hear it again. I read it in a, in a, in a book or a tract or something. It really happened. And, and a man died, owned a lot of property. And when he died, he left his property to his son. Houses here and there. This was in the United States. So, of course, the father being an old, kind man, there were people living in his house, in some of his apartments, that were paying very little money because they stayed there for a long time. And the young man being very vibrant, do you understand? Full of energy. He said that my father doesn't know how to do business. Times have changed. Now that his father has gone and he's taken over, he decided to write everybody a letter reviewing their rent or evicting those who are not willing to pay. Now, one of the tenants, all right, in one of the apartments was a couple, an elderly couple, retired couple, who didn't have money. They were just managing to live on just a little bit of pension that they had. So that, that young man, he had an agent, of course, managing his property. So he had told the agent to evict those people. So they had written them letters. Of course, they couldn't pay the new rent. There was no way they would pay. They didn't have the money. They were elderly. You know, so they didn't. <laughs> he now wrote them letters. And they are giving them, let's assume, this Friday is the final, the final day of you must go. So the agent one day decided to even go to the house and go and see those people. And when he got there, he was about to knock. Then he changed his mind. He didn't knock. After he knocked, nobody answered. He decided to just walk around the house. As he was walking around the house, now listen to this. He saw a window open. So now, when angels are working on your case, you know, I'm sorry to say this. eh? You know, one of the reasons why I sound so different as a preacher is that, um, which word do I use? Okay, let me just, okay, let's do like this. I just sound very different because the way I see some of these things. A lot of people now say that when I got to the door, the Holy Spirit said that um, I shouldn't knock. Holy Spirit said, go around the back, you know? And I went around the back. Man, most times, Holy Spirit is leading. He doesn't see anything. He doesn't see anything. You don't even know. You know, last time, you know, my wife wanted to travel, you know? I took her to uh, the, uh, the um, taxi park, and there was a small issue. But the bus she wanted to take to Lagos, okay? There was... Um, the seat was full. She was supposed to book online. She didn't book online. We tried early that morning. They had closed it for the day. So you had to go to their station. You know, we left the place. And we went to another place. She got there and said, I, I, I don't like these people are talking to me. I'm uncomfortable. Let me go back to the other place. I'll take bus going to another part of Lagos. When we got there, the lady handed the book and just came out and said, Ah, madam, oh, that as soon as you left, you know, shortly after you left, somebody called her. I mean, somebody canceled his booking. Opening one seat, which my wife said, if the bus was empty, that is the cho- seat I would have chosen. He says, my favorite seat, that's one I always pick, even if the bus is empty. I said to her, I said, listen, did you notice that when you got there, you, were, you just felt, 
Please, let's go to that end. Here, I don't like the way, I, I feel a bit uneasy here, the way they are behaving. I said, if you're a more spiritual person, you'll have said that Holy Spirit said I should leave here and go back. I said, he didn't say that. You know, but I said, mark my words, is the Holy Spirit or the angel that actually nudged you and said, go back. I have cleared a seat for you. Most times the Holy Spirit is leading you. He's not whispering to you. He just leads you. I was watching John, John Paul Jackson the other day. And he said that, I said it was a prophet, you know, that one day he actually saw an angelic operation. The Holy Spirit wanted to lead somebody to go and talk to somebody in the mall. You understand? So the fellow was going to the mall, all right, in the house, just said, I need to buy, let's say, milk. Got up to go to the mall. And you know the way we are driving on these big roads? You have to exit at certain points. This was in the United States. Massive roads. I know the way, if you miss your exit... Like my friend was saying, now should be straight. <laughs> you know? So, as this woman was about to exit, a car started, you know, like, you want to turn, one car will slow down. Then you pick up speed to overtake that guy. The guy overtake, picks up speed again. Then you want to, okay, he has picked up speed, let me slow down. Anyway, that's how they did on the, she missed her turn. And had to go and take the next turn, which of course was Maybe like the next, under 15 kilometers. But then she got to that town. She just said, oh, there's another mall here. Why do I have to turn back to the one near my house? That was how she entered that mall and ministered to the person the Holy Spirit wanted her to minister to. This is the point. Jackson saw it and saw the other man's car getting a kick from angels. Angels will shove the car. Then they will pull it back. So that one that man was doing, it was, they were angels pulling the car, slowing the car back, and guiding the woman to miss that turn. See, you may be praying, Holy Spirit, whisper to me. You know, I don't believe in that prayer. I have said to you, just obey the word of God. Yes, when the Holy Spirit wants to whisper, talk to you, he knows how to say it. In a language you will understand. If he has to shout, Sam, people say, Holy Spirit, say, gentleman, he doesn't shout. He's not in the Bible. He screamed for Samuel four times. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel didn't know who was talking. That was a lie. He went. You see, don't, God is not, a, is not a computer. He's a person. Are you getting my point? Look, many of us have had to deal with people who have hearing you know, disabilities. Once you know, you talk loud. If you, being human, can make that adjustment... For your friend, how much more God who is in heaven? Please, excuse me. The problem God has is stubborn people who don't, they don't obey instructions. They, have, they are fixed in their ways. They are fixed in their ways. If this is the way they want to go, I have seen people say it before. In fact, the one I remember, one sister came and said, oh, that one, that pastor is saying, is his problem. As far as I am concerned, you open your mouth and say that. It's not as if you disagree with it. Say, oh, no, no. The way interpreted that Romans chapter 5. That's not what I think. See, my pastor said it like this. I haven't read it. I think it's like this. No, it's more of, ah, that one he, has, he said. You know what she said? <laughs> I remember that case. The brother was talking about, he was teaching on marriage. And he was saying that, listen, all these external things are not the issue about marriage. All right? They go back to their hostel. The lady said, oh, that one, that reverend said, this is probably, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still going to find myself a tall, dark, and handsome man to marry. <laughs> Let me not tell you the kind of husband you will find when you talk like that. He will be tall, he will be dark, he will be handsome, and he will carry a gun. That's the part of it he did not envisage. 
It's called he gave them meat according to their lust and sent leanness into their souls. Let's get these things clear. So back to what I was saying. All right, that's when God has people who don't listen. And I know where I, I went into that from. You know, I said the story. Okay? So this man got there. He said not to knock. Or is that he knocked? He didn't reply. He said to walk around the house. He got to the window. And suddenly he paused. Now we know it was the Holy Spirit. He gave him keen hearing. He heard the old man and the old woman praying inside. No, they were not praying. One of them, the, the, one of them said to the other, please hurry, you know, we're supposed to pray about this um, eviction matter. So he paused. So that one came, he began to pray. It was the woman that was talking. And the woman said, Lord, thank you very much for your goodness, for your kindness. We know we are, we know we are your children. You watch over us. He said, now we have been told to move. We don't have the money they said we should pay. And they have been given maybe three days we are supposed to clear from here. He said, really, we don't mind leaving. He said, that means we are going to be homeless. He says, now if we mind being homeless, we are your children. Wherever we, we are, you will be with us. That's what they said. Wherever we are, you will be with us. He said, just that, the other person, that her husband, just that you know that, um, let's call him um, John. He said, you know John is having a back, bad back, so it's going to be difficult for him to sleep as a homeless person. You know what the Holy Spirit did? Planted that agent there to be listening. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Casting, I'm talking about casting what? Your burdens upon the Lord. When that guy finished hearing it, he snaked back and went away and he didn't say anything again. God just took him there to listen to what he's about to do. So next time the owner of the house came, say, Hafa, have you evicted them? That guy said, look, I'm no longer in the evicting business. So I made up my mind that property I'm not managing again for you. If you want to evict that old man and his wife, you're on your own. So the guy said, why? Then he told him what he had. I said, in fact, I'm planning to go and visit them today. I'm going to buy them groceries. Americans take groceries. I'm going to shop for them. I'm going to give to them. He said, my friend, stop listening to other people's prayers. <laughs> <laughs> he said, when you get there, tell them their rent has been paid. When you get them, tell, one, tell them one anonymous donor. Or one that, which one do you use now? No donor, no. Benefactor, whatever it is. Pay their rent, and they can stay there till they die. He did it in his pocket, gave that guy $100. Say, add it to the groceries you are going to buy. That was how God solved those people's problem. Are you getting my point? When they say, cast your burdens upon the Lord. That's what it means. They just went to cast their burdens. Many of us, you know, we don't pray, we complain. The prayer we pray is a method, you know, one of those many methods. That's why I say, if God has not heard you, try praise. There are statements we make. You think you're dealing with a computer. Say, press control F, delete. <laughs> you don't realize you're talking to a person. You think you're dealing with a computer. Say, how, how, what happened when you got there? I, I tried to enter the document, they open. Whole shift, and then hit the Windows key. <laughs> and God is looking like, eh, I'm in a depressed like this. <laughs> no, just like you are talking with a living person who loves you, who knows you more than you know yourself. Yes, who knows what you really need. Many of the things we are asking for, God says, you know I'm, I'm not going to give you? You don't need it. You've, you've invented problems. 
There are times people invent problems. One day a cousin of mine called. I said I should send her some money. Why? He wants to travel abroad. I said, what's happening? The young guy said, ah. He said, huh, uncle, the way the country is going these days. Hi. I said, why are you saying this thing on the phone? You should have come to say it in front of me. You know what? You know where I'm going. I will have woken you up. You don't work. You've not finished school. You are telling those of us that in this country are trying to gather money to give you money we are gathering in this country to be able to live the way the country is going these days. Yeah. You know, you're just like God, though. Why did you create this kind of distance? They can talk on the phone. If I come to my face, can't talk him. One young man sent me a mail long ago. That please, uh, a door just opened. I think second year engineering student. Ah, this opportunity has come for him to leave Nigeria and move to North America. And he doesn't want to miss it now. So nobody, please, he wants to see how I can help him with money. I just clicked delete. So if I read this mail again, there will be problem in the society. So let me just... Because if I read the guy, I'll know the name of the person. All right? I felt like, for goodness sake, engineering student. But this is the point. I happen to know the structure of this life. Hmm? If you want to go to that America or Canada, wherever you want to go, it's better to have that your B engine in your hands. Phys- we are talking under the sun now, physically speaking. Because friend, that's what we are operating. We don't believe in God. Shit. All of us have agreed we don't believe in God. <laughs> No, no, you know what I'm trying to say? That the person who came now, who's asking that, eh, he's, he's, yeah, he's dumb. Because if we believed in God, you'll have believed that same God will take care of you here. Do you get my point? Yes, sir. So looking under the sun, I can tell you that that your bachelor's in engineering will have been an advantage. And in Nigeria, this was a federal university of many years ago. The tuition was nothing. You know the way it is with federal universities. You, the tuition is next to nothing. What you need is money to eat. At the end of the day, they give you that degree, then you can go. Now, why am I saying that? So many of the prayers we pray, that's why the Lord doesn't answer. He said, you get up, you create unnecessary problems. And say, I should solve them. There are societies where the credit card works very well. Where the credit card system works. People carry their card. They can't control their appetite. They buy all kinds of things. And start praying that God should give them money to pay. You know, that, every society has its own problems, its own advantages, its advantages. Some of our disadvantages are clearly an advantage. What am I going to say? When a new phone comes out, you know in our country, you have to collect the money complete to buy it. So for that reason, if you can't buy it, you can't buy it. In many of those countries, no, it's not like that. The new phone comes out, you just walk in there and say, please, I want the new Samsung S8. They just tell you how much you pay on a monthly basis. You go to our new shop, you want the new 50, no, 72-inch curved organic LED, OLED, all right, smart TV. It's one point something million. They won't tell you to call it, you know, just say, okay, what you pay is. But the way they do it, for the first one year, no interest. When they want to suck you in, first year, no interest. What they don't tell you, that if, by the second year, if you have not finished paying, Interest payment is calculated from day one. Those fine prints are so fine. You know, all kinds of jokes come up in my mind. So I just used to make you laugh. My friend of mine the other day, he sent me a picture he took in a Lamborghini. I said, boy, this is fine. He said, they said I should pay $100 to drive it. He said, my brother, 
He said, my, he said, my, my mind caught. He said, I know fit. I said, he said, he said, I don't want to wreck myself because I drove a Lamborghini. He said, we read so many stories of people crashing those cars because they are high performance cars. You think it's your normal, regular Toyota Camry. So you press the accelerator. Now when you're inside the lagoon. <laughs> And incidentally, the week before, I read the story of a man who crashed a Ferrari. The picture was there, shredded, burnt, complete. He bought it one hour before. An hour before was when he bought it. So my friend said, so I said that, but that $100 does not cover insurance. He said, my brother, that's what I'm talking about, though. He said, my brother, <laughs> he said, when you crash the car, finish. That's in the hotel, the insurance is only for the tire. <laughs> He said, I beg, I don't want to ruin myself in America because I go drive Lamborghini. We <laughs> make a car of maybe $400,000. I said, I beg, I beg, I beg. The Lord is good. Now, what was I even saying? So I'm talking about the, you know, the fine prints. So people, they, they won't read those fine prints. They just go in there. They tell you, to buy now. Pay. So you collect the TV, put it in your house, and replace your 42-inch LED, but not smart TV, which is clear. You can see it clearly. Yeah. It's high definition. Yeah. You could see it clearly. You remove it. Now, this one ruins people. Then they add that one to it. Add the phone. Oh, I forgot about the furniture. Everything. And then at the end of the month, sometimes it's just $100. You don't have to pay everything. Everybody's collecting from you. $50, $100, $200. At the end of the month, you know, and the people who don't do credit, never they know they do credit. Power, you know, water, all those things, gas, they don't, they don't understand it's your credit business. Give us our money. So you are paying everybody. You now see people with responsible, decent jobs owing just $200 a month. By the time you owe $200 a month, on credit card, interest rate is 40% per annum. Because it's supposed to be a short-term loan. It is as accumulating. You see a man who's been working all these years. He tells you owing $50,000. You are wondering, like, how can you be owing $50,000? The NASA spring. Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> One of these ways, they're able to collect some of these, our seats from our pocket. Is that our heads are focused, you know, our eyes are in the wrong place. The NASA starts sewing special seat to deliver yourself from a $50,000, um, that you, you incurred for nothing. And this is another part. You want to keep the TV, keep the phone, keep everything, and God should deliver you. You know how God delivers people? God will tell, okay, I'm going to deliver you the wisdom. Want that television? Sell it. If you don't want to sell it, burn it. If you burn it, don't worry. I, the Lord, will buy it from you. It's okay. But I have to reduce you to where your head is correct. So many of our prayers, that is a problem. There are problems that we generated for nothing. That's what James meant when he said that we pray to spend it on our lust. The credit system has its advantages. It's supposed to help business move, but it's one of the greatest temptations of mankind. People buy what they can't afford. Just because they, they claim they can be praying, pray, and they now start praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I need money. He said, my son, you don't need money. What you need is what? Sense. Wisdom. What you need is contentment. What you need is the ability to stand and say, I don't need to watch TV. Not for now. Why? I can't pay for it. 
What you need to say, look, must I use an expensive phone? Most of those phones, most people that carry them, they don't use 80% of the capabilities. Most of them are, are for just for posing. Everybody has to see the phone you are using. He will never, the Lord will never fund our bad habits. That's what I to bear in mind. The Lord does not fund bad habits. He, look, he does not reward bad behavior. You get my point? He does not reward bad behavior. If your prayer points are not legitimate according to his word, he doesn't expect to hear it from you. Some of those prayer points, it should be confession of sin. You know the confession of sin? You go to God and say, Lord, you know, I was thinking about asking you for this, but I want you to know that it's a stupid prayer point. I came here to tell you that, please, take the desire from my heart. Are you getting my point? There are some prayer points. Look, you know, I've told you, forget pictures on your wall. What did I say? You are planning to wait. You, you are, you are, your mind is the dome. The dome. My reception. The dome. <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. You've seen the bridal. What they call it? No, those women. Not, not, not the tree. The tree includes the men, the women. No, just the, just the women I'm talking about. Oh, the bridesmaids. Thank you. You see your bridesmaids wearing this and you've seen that, you know, you've seen them. You've seen them. Hallelujah. You've seen them. I, I can see them. You've seen your cake. Praise the Lord. 20 step. Amen. Amen. You have seen it. Say of you to go to work. You have seen things like that. <laughs> Honestly, if you know what the Lord thinks of some of his prayers, you'll be so ashamed. It's okay. So even if these spiritual forces were working, this is how you want to use them. If look, you can't even settle down and be conceiving your mission in life. Then I went to Solomon. To Solomon, asked for anything. He forgot everything else apart from the mission I've given him. Instead of praying, Lord, I want my wedding to be like this. Pray, Lord, I want it to be that no matter what my wedding is like, my marriage must be fantastic. That's what you need. Do you know it is more, listen to me. Do you know if God had to make a choice of two things? If he had to make a choice between giving you a fantastic wedding and making you happy with no serious ceremony, he would choose the latter. Do you know why? Because that one endures to eternity. And is more interested in the spiritual development he's bringing forth in us. He's more interested. That is, it is a saddening point for him if he needs to do that to make you happy. Did you hear what I said? That is, it makes it, it breaks his heart that that is required to make you happy. One day I was preaching somewhere. I know. I was just telling stories, not a young, it was a young people's program. So I was giving the counsel about life. And I told my story that when I asked my wife to marry me, I went, of course, I didn't say, please marry me. Then if you agree, let me go and look for your ring. No. I bought the ring first. And I held it. And I told them that I bought the ring for 300 naira. Let's use today's terminologies. The ring was not more than, in today's terms, no more than 1,500 naira. Okay, let's use dollars. Everybody can relate with it. 
the ring was not, no, I'm not lying to you. The ring was not worth more than $5. I went to the market in Lagos, bought it from there, held it, and traveled to go ask the girl to marry me. And as I was saying it, and I, of course, I now said that, of course, you know, I told the rest of the story. I just saw one, everybody was laughing. You know, I was just telling the story. And when I said the ring was 300, the whole large congregation, massive you know, number of people, they all started laughing. At that point, I knew it was the Holy Spirit. Just narrowed my eyes on one girl. And she told her friends, I won't take it. <laughs> Please, uh, let me just advise you. Be careful how you respond when the word of God is coming forth. Because there are things you will say, and God will say, nobody will offer you. You know, look, for God there, it's more important that, oh, what does he, res- what kind of thing makes him happy? How does he expect us to respond to such situations? What the kind of response he expects is this. Eh? So it is doable. Lord, why is my heart so lifted? Haughty eyes, God dislikes. A proud heart. What's a haughty eye? A, the eyes that says, I won't take it. Why? It's too cheap for me. Who are you? It's more important to God that, look, this young woman is happy and glad and joyful for having a 300 naira ring. It's more important to him than him putting on her finger a diamond you know, ring to say, okay, how much is this ring? It's $1,000. To the Lord, he can't... Let me tell you something about God. Please, let me just say this. To him, both of them is the same amount of effort. Are you getting my point? It's the same effort. To get your engagement ring to be worth $1,000 and for it to be worth $5, for him, is the same thing. So when you come to him and say, Lord, I want the man that will marry me to give me an engagement ring of $1,000, you know what he's going to ask you? Why? He's going to ask you that question. Why? That is, I can do it. It's not a big deal. But why is it important? Let me give an example. As me, my son came up to me now and said, Daddy, I need a new shirt. And I said, no problem. I'll tell your mother to get it for you. And as he's leaving, he comes back and says, I would like it to be you no know, pink. Or, or let's say, he said, okay, I want it to be sky blue. All right? Do you know white, sky blue, red, pink? All of them are the same color, uh, the same price. But if he comes back and says, I want it to be sky blue, what would be my next question? It's simple. Why? Why? He's my son. I'm just curious. Why do you want it to be sky blue? And I actually expect a response. Even though for me, it's the same thing. Look, if the shirt is 2,000 naira, whether I pick it as white, pink, blue, different shades of blue, or black, is the same price. But for my son to open his mouth and specify a color, Suddenly, my antenna will go up and say, why? I expect to hear things like, actually, why I need this is because our graduation is tomorrow. And all of us have been told to wear blue. Then I will say, okay. But if he tells me that, anytime we go out, my friends are always laughing at me that I don't have blue shirt. What do I do? I will say, sit down. A lesson will start. Some of the things I teach my kids. I said, you are a leader in life. You are not a follower. The opinion of your friends don't dictate your life. Listen to me. You have, so you know what I will do? I will go and buy him 10 red shirts. I said, now you are wearing 10 red shirts. Yeah, listen. You are wearing 10 red shirts for the next 10 days. 
Different shades of red. Until your friends have gotten tired of laughing. Until you have gotten to a point where their laughter doesn't matter to you. Until you wear your red shirt with pride. Then when you come back, and when you don't ask me about the blue shirt again, and I tell your mother, I think you can give him seven shades of blue now. Is it that I couldn't buy the blue shirt? Of course I could. But when my son cannot be comfortable anymore in the midst of friends, because he doesn't have what his friends think is appropriate, then I have a problem. Then I turn it to a matter of prayer. And I turn it to a matter of instruction. And I know you can't live like this. Peer pressure, peer pressure must not handle you. Can you see what I'm saying here? And I'm an earthly father. How much more our heavenly father? The spiritual things are more important to him. He can, listen, that $1,000 ring and the $5 ring to him. Look, you must understand spiritually they are the same thing. He can do like this. Boom. And an angel will deliver one carved, you know, to your exact finger size with your name inscribed on it. He can do it that easily. But the question is going to ask you is, why is it important to you? And then, and because everything has a reason. So if he's asking, like, uh, amongst all my friends, I'm the only one that does not have a diamond ring. The next thing he tells you that, what did James say? You are competing. I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you. Can I give you? Yes. But I need to solve that competitive spirit. So many of the prayers we pray, that's the problem he has with them. And that's why James said, the reason why, you see, let me explain something to you. James knew the Lord. He knew the Lord personally. He walked with him physically. He saw him do all kinds of miracles. He saw him that there was no sick person that came to him that had faith in his heart that he could not heal. He saw Jesus walk on water. James saw everything. So he said to us, if you don't have something, it's because you did not ask. He said, but I asked. He said, then you asked wrongly. And when he says wrongly, it's not computerized asking. You do press the correct shift F key. No. It is, what was your motive? Your motive was wrong. If your motive wasn't wrong, there's nothing the Lord wouldn't do for you. James said it, and he was sure of it. He said, you don't have, you did not ask. You asked, you are telling me you asked, then your motive was wrong. And what is wrong in the motive is it's your, your desire, your need was stimulated by your lust. If it was not stimulated by your lust, I know. Ah, this man walked with Jesus. Jesus gave them direct instructions. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. He gave it to them directly. See, some of these things we do, all kinds of magumago we use. Say, if you need God to give you 10,000, you go and sow 500. You know, I don't believe a word of it. My reason is simple. It takes away from what Jesus said. That's my reason. That's the, look, I have look, you can operate any spiritual principle, but it takes away from what Jesus said. Jesus said it clearly. Ask the Father in my name. He didn't want anything added to it. I tell Christians all the time, the law of giving and receiving is the law of gravity. is there. Do you understand my point? It's just part of life. And in one of my books, I made a statement. I said it was not written as an incentive for giving. It was written as an encouragement for the giving heart. It's just a law for you to know it's there. But the, the Lord told us clearly, if we ask anything at all in his name, 
James was too sure of it. That's why he wrote for us, said, look, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly. And when they're trying to explain something, our desires, our personal issues, the prayers of Gentiles, we should be careful. Do we have the desires? Yes. Do we have personal needs sometimes? Yes. What do we do? We cast. We cast. We cast them. Throw them off. Lord, this shouldn't be my problem. This is your problem. This should not be my problem. Why is it on my heart? Why is it disturbing me? Lord, let me toss it over to you. No, I don't want it on my heart. That's why Paul said, the first thing God gives is what? The peace of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That is the first thing that God gives to you. Why? Because many times, the real trouble is not the need. The real trouble is our emotional response to the situation. That's a matter of fact. God said, look, the real trouble is our emotional response to the situation. That's the, look, sometimes we're asking God for things. You know, sometimes if we're the ones counseling somebody, we'll have told the person to wait. But we ourselves, we are not able to wait. So God says, look, you know you are supposed to wait. But why can't you wait? You are not sure the growth is happening. <laughs> you get to my point. For that reason, you are agitated. So when you pray, God says, let me give you the peace that helps you to what? Wait. That's the, that, look, that's the, the issue of the prayer of Gentiles. Why we Christians don't focus on, no, praying like Gentiles. We pray as believers, children of God that have faith in the love of the Father. So when we are praying, we know that what we're asking for, listen, he, he knows what we need. So back to Psalm 119. So Psalm 119 is our prayer. This is our whole life. Solomon said, fear God, do what? Obey his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. David said, this has become my own, to obey your word. It has become my own. So today we read from verse um, 49, and we ended, ended it in uh, 64. Now, I want to just explain a few points there. This is how we Christians pray. Now, like I said, if you look at that, um, the whole of that book, Psalm 119, the whole of that chapter, broken into different parts. It looks very repetitive. It's very repetitive. Incline my ear to your word. Incline my ear to your testimonies. Incline my heart to love you. Incline my heart to obey you. Show me your word. Show me your will. Show me, give me understanding. It fills the place. This is that I've said, if you put it together, you will hear it at least 50 times. The man will say, look, in the midst of my trouble, he won't say, Lord, Deliver me. Lord, the midst of my troubles, <laughs> give me understanding. My soul cleaves to the dust. Give me understanding and I shall live. The princes are talking about me. Enemies are conspiring against me. As for me, I will meditate on your word. Are you getting my point here? Later on, we'll talk about maybe not today. We'll tell you about affliction. It was good for me that I was afflicted. Why? Now I obey your word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. In the midst of my affliction, I discovered. Do you understand my point? Everything about Psalm 119 is just, Lord, let me not depart from obeying your word. Everything in Psalm 119 was, Lord, 
keep my eyes focused on your promise. Everything is about Lord. Where I am right now does not look like where you promised. Revive me according to that promise. Oh, why am I where I am? Why am I right here? It's likely. It's because of my ways. If my ways were totally in agreement with your ways, Lord, I would be where you wanted me to be. So the prayer will now be, Lord, I have declared my own ways. 